a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Unadilla Recap Podcast, presented by the folks at Alpine Star Protects. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to talk about Unadilla, the highs, the lows, the mud. The rain, the blood, the guts, and probably some Phil Nicoletti. All on this one show, we thank everybody for listening. Uh, each year, the Fly Racing Gang developed, tests, improved their products in the never-ending pursuit of the perfect racewear. They were the first to integrate the BOA system. They've got it on two lines for 2018. They offer unmatched comfort, performance, and durability that make it an industry leader in technical racewear. Prepare, perform, and progress with Fly Racing. Uh, Watson Pike worth fly racing. Blake Baggett worth fly racing. Benny Bloss, top 10. You know, he wears fly racing. And the Seven Deuce Deuce, he runs fly racing as well. Please check him out, flyracing.com, and uh, see all the 2018 stuff now. And uh, Alpine Star Protect, you know they got the boots, the Tech, tech 8s, Tech 10s that are great. They, uh, they work well. They're well-made. Well, they've got a whole line of protection products as well besides those boots. The BNS, BNS Tech Carbon Neck Support uh, Guard, the A1 Roost Guard, the Fluid Tech Carbon Knee Brace are all on board. The Bionic Neck Support Tech Carbon is engineered to help prevent neck injury and minimize the risk of collateral damage. The construction of the BNS is from an advanced carbon polymer for optimized frame strength and lightweight performance. So like I said, go check out a whole line of Alpine Stars Protect products. Uh, that's what they do. They, they simply protect as well. We thank those guys for the uh, Alpine Star Medical Unit that's at the uh, Supercross and Motocross races all year long. All right, let's get into Unadilla and all that happened there, and uh, and lots did. It was it was uh, uh, lots to talk about. I'm not sure exactly where we'll start, but we'll get going. Uh, first up on the on the phone, he's the voice of the Lucas Oil. Yeah. Oh Jesus, here we go. He's Jason Wygant. Dude, it's Unadilla. I'm fired up. Yeah. Yeah, you're excited. And a mutter at Unadilla. That's what it's all about. Yeah, it's been a while since we had one there. Um, also on the line from uh, Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com, uh, Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. I'm, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed Unadilla. It looked like a great time. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Actually, though, um, first up, Weege, it was really pouring. Really pouring. Oh, God. Man, it <laughs> rained so bad. At one point, believe it or not, during um, the first 450 moto, it was so windy that the door to our TV trailer blew open, and it looked like someone basically opened the door and threw a bucket of water in. The water was coming in literally sideways. The door on the side of the trailer opened, and water was coming in like a shower Yeah, into our television trailer. So I can only imagine what it was like outside, because we were getting wet inside a tractor trailer. <laughs> yeah, they called, how bad it was. they called the 450 first moto early, and then uh, the second motos were shortened to 20 minutes plus a lap, and uh, then they, they, they took out Screw You as well. I guess we, we can't call it Screw You anymore, apparently. That's not allowed. Screw You. 
Uh, I think we can in a podcast, but it yeah, is no, not, yeah, um, we can. Apparently, but, yeah. it did not get through network clearance. Cannot say it on television, and uh, I, we couldn't even say it in the live announcers. They weren't saying, really? yeah, nobody was saying screw you. I'm like, uh, I'm like, at one point, I'm like, can we say screw you? And I got this dirty look. I guess we can. Man, it's come so far. I was actually watching a lot of old Unadilla videos uh, leading up to this race. And as you guys know, I was helicoptered and private jetted into Unadilla many times mm-hmm. as a young lad. Yes. And back then, it was so out of hand. I mean, Larry Myers, first of all, you could not have been more biased. Like, during a USGP or a Donations, he would literally basically make fun of the European riders. <laughs> and they'd, you know, they'd come up one of the hills and they'd be like, let's let everyone know how badly we want to see Jeff Ward beat Keith Vanderven in the mud at Unadilla. Let's hear it for Jeff Ward beating the European. <laughs> and terms like, screw you, totally fine. So yeah. I feel like you, the, the, uh, the Trump acolytes out there, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of it at Unadilla. It's gone to PC. It's yeah. gone to PC. Yeah. We're in a politically correct world. We can't call it Unadilla. Uh, screw you. We can't make fun of European riders and cheer the Americans. It's gone too PC. Larry, uh, Larry also called every single European rider a commie. They're all commies. commies. They're all commies. <laughs> yeah. We need to bring back, make America great again, make Unadilla great again. It's screw you. They're commies. And let's go whoever an American rider is that's up front. Just start calling Dylan Ferrandez a commie. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Just... yeah. Marvin Muscan, we don't want none of this. Right. Um, were you... Uh... We were you okay with shortening the second motos. We were, uh, I don't know, I want to say a couple hours behind. They were, they was waiting for a sale. We probably could have snuck in the second 250 moto. They were on the line, and then they decided to hold. But then the the weather sale came a little bit later than they thought. I was in the announcer's tower, so I was in the in the life, the heartbeat of what the all these decisions, you know. So yeah. um, I was really seeing what was going on, and and. Uh, so they were the cell didn't come as quickly, but then 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 it hit harder than they thought, and then another one was coming, and uh, at some point they're like, okay, twenty minutes plus a lap. Uh, I, I was fine with that. It was getting dark and late. Yeah, I'm all right with it. I don't think the daylight was was that big an issue. I mean, it's summertime. the The longest day of the year was uh, a month and a half ago, so I, I think daylight was okay. But the real fear, I think, in this case, is lightning comes at any time. And I think they want the riders and teams to know how long they're going to race. And we'll talk about Vogel in this show where, you know, when you randomly think there's a couple laps to go and then all of a sudden the checkered flag comes out because lightning struck, uh, that kind of sucks for the guys. So I think they'd rather be like, let's just shorten it so we think we can get it in so at least you know how long the race is. So I didn't have an issue with it. But I have to say, did the race not feel way, 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 way shorter than normal? Like I I thought it would feel, (laughs) hey, it's only 10 minutes. But, oh, my God, it felt like it was two minutes, and it was over. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it really was. It was super fast. It was weird. Maybe because of the long laps, too, right? So you only saw the guys a little bit or something. You know, I don't know. It. it yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, talk about Bogle in the first moto. He's third, doing great, pulls in for goggles, gets some goggles, then uh, spins around on the wet grass, and then the next lap they he loses third to Seeley. The next lap, they throw the flag. He's like, I could have just, if I would have known it was one more lap, I would have just went and, you know, toughed it out for one more lap. So he did get a little bit screwed out of a podium, although you might want to say he did it to himself by gassing it so hard on, on wet, wet grass. But, yeah, exactly. That was one guy that, you know, got hurt by that for sure. Um, yeah, so the, the deal is I'm sure they're like, if, if at least they, you can't really argue if you go the distance you originally knew you were going to go. It only gets dicey when it's like, Suddenly, a red flag comes out of nowhere, and you can plan for it. So, yep. I think they shorted it to try to avoid that. Well, JT, twenty-seven points to bag it. 
And uh, 30 points to Marv. 31. 31, yeah. 31. Um, yeah, I think Marv is, is really the, the factor. You know, Blake is uh, – he not that he wasn't good, the first moto, but, uh, I mean, Marv is a story. I mean, that's, that's six motos in a row for him, and all the momentum is on his side at this point. And really, we don't – you know, I brought this up at Millville, and I think it was questionable that I would even mention it, but Eli has not looked like the same guy. He just hasn't. And, you know, you ha- I think you had a point where he cut the lead down at Millville, and, and he wasn't riding badly. But if you go back to the weekends before that where he was the best guy and it wasn't really even a question, to now uh, we're six motos later. And, I mean, this was the most concrete evidence we've had. I mean, Eli, was, he wasn't good in practice. He wasn't good in either moto. And I, I honestly have no answers for it. I, I, you know, I'm not close to that situation at all. I'm just speculating. But he doesn't look like the same guy at all as he was a month ago. Well, I think the fifth in Moto 2, all things considered, was fine. No. You know? No, I would disagree. It was, nope. it was a massive mutter. Okay, well, what fifth. happened in the first Moto? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I talked to him uh, a little bit. He said he pulled all his tear-offs and couldn't see, and that the, was it. In the first Moto? First Moto, yep. He said he pulled all his tear-offs, the rain started coming, the, and he couldn't see anything, and that was it. And he actually got passed by Webb. Um, and Davalos. And Davalos. So. Davalos. I don't know, man. I like I understand that, and that there there could be a lot of validity to that to that, but it hasn't been it hasn't been the same. It has not been the same. I mean, Marv has been. I mean, Marv had all the diff, you know he had the same situation to face that Eli did yesterday, and he went one one. You know, the second yeah. moto was just as bad mud for him. Yeah, it would have been so. interesting if Eli would have got the start. You know, Marv got both starts, so that makes your life a hell of a lot easier in those conditions. What if Eli had pulled it? Could he have matched this? You know, he had the ninth fastest qualifying. So it would have been interesting to see if he had the speed. Could he, or if he got the start, could he have pulled up the speed? But I don't think he had it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know either. Yep. Yeah, I never yeah. saw any good I never saw any elite level Eli Tomac style riding no. from him all day long. No, and it's normally been a good track for him. Yep. So. And maybe he goes out and wins Bud's Creek. Who knows? I'm just saying it's it's not great right now. Yeah. He puts another 10-5 up on the board next weekend, and this is going to get real in a hurry. What do you think, Weege? Yeah, I'm with JT on this. Um, and I'm willing to eat my words. I mean, I think we all figured Tomac was an overwhelming favorite coming into the season. I know that didn't sit well with some people. I'd probably be the bag at camp. But we were willing to put the numbers of, hey, Eli's won a lot more 450 outdoor races than anybody else on the gate. We were able to use that as our, you know, statistical evidence. But, I, I mean, Marvin's won six motos in a row on three totally different tracks and different weather. Uh, I mean, Marvin's the best guy right now. He's not necessarily going to be the champ. I don't want to say he's the best rider, but he's the best guy over the last six motos, hands down, no doubt. And I don't know if any of us that didn't have a dog in the fight. It's one thing if you work for a rider or if you're related to a rider. But I don't think any of us that were just – People are going to puke when I hear the words completely unbiased, but that's what we generally are compared to people who make a living off riders. I don't think any of us would have said, yeah, you think Marvin's just going to hang six straight-up moto wins on Eli at any point in the year? I think all of us would have been like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. But uh, that's literally what is happening. And I know Tomek has a points lead, and he still might be the champ and all that, but to me this is all still a little bit surprising. And Tomek's going to have to start dealing with Probably right now, people are starting to say, this is what he does. He can't finish. He can't finish, which I don't subscribe to that theory for sure, but this is not helping his case. 
This is not it's helping not. this case. It's I mean, what do you what do you attribute it to, Mathis? I mean, it, yesterday wasn't good. It wasn't good, no matter what you want to point to. That wasn't good. Well, I think the second moto was fine, all things considered. A fifth place in that start and that conditions. But why? Brutal, why do you but... why do you think it's fine when Marv goes out and wins? Because no Marv Marv got the whole shot, and okay, he's an awesome well, Dilla slash mud rider. Yeah, it starts part of the race, though. No, I know. You know? But, but yeah, I think that's that's the story. Really, is, it'll be a little bit of his. It's a different. It's a different thing each time. Washugal, he just got out road. Millville, he crashed. This week, he didn't have it. It's been a different problem each week. So yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know that I agree. Okay. Right. I, mean, I don't think he's been the best guy by far at any of the last three rounds. I, I would I think, say Marvin's been the best guy easily at the last three rounds. I think he rode great Millville first moto after he got up, or Millville, Millville uh, first moto to come up through the pack. I mean, Marvin sure, he was rode gone. great, but Marvin was better is all I'm saying. Well, just, yeah, because, of, you know, the starts. No, it's not. That's why I, I, that's where I disagree. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's definitely, it's uh, pretty gnarly. 10-5. I mean, he's still got a 31-point lead over his, you know, I know it's 27 to Blake, but Blake is, he's dealing with a lot right now and he's not practicing much and all that stuff. So I think Marv is the real story as far as if this title is going to go sideways. Um, so we're talking about a full moto advantage plus at this point, but um, it's, it's making for a storyline where there realistically shouldn't be one. Yeah, I think you, maybe you start thinking about the lead, the points. You know, you start thinking about it a little bit. I don't know. But... I mean, right now they're tied for overall wins in the year for four each. If Marv rips off these next two, let's see, Eli gets six wins to four, Eli will win the title, but with four wins compared to six, that's something we never thought we'd see either. You want to flip that, maybe we thought we'd see that flip, but definitely not. Yeah, I mean, we were talking 19 or 18 or 19 moto wins, we thought, for Eli, you know, going in. Yeah. Or I, I was anyway. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, that, I was there also, and anyone who wants to say we were ridiculous, I'm like, did you watch Supercross against the same dude? And I think generally people think Eli is at least as good, if not better, outdoors. So I don't yeah. feel like we were completely out of line. I mean, if you want to say that we were stupid now, go ahead. That's fine. We were wrong. But we know how this normally goes. We, we know what the dominance in the 450 class normally looks like. It's just not – you don't normally see a guy win a title – and someone else rip off a whole bunch of wins at the end of the year. You just don't normally see that happen. So it's just a little weird, even if Eli wins. It's just not what we normally see. You know, whatever that means, yeah. I don't know. Well, I wrote this a few weeks ago. Like maybe I I expect Eli to to be the next guy. I, I, I'm going to reserve comment on Kenny on his long recovery from the injury. So I expect Eli to be the guy and all that. But um, maybe we're just in a case of the early '90s, Weege, where nobody nobody's you know. The best guy by far that that goes against the McGrath era and the Ricky era and the Stewart era and Villapoto and Dungey eras, but maybe that's what we're at. Well, we've had we've had Dungey, you know. I mean, Dungey has been the best guy for several years now. No, I know. I, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I, I guess Kenny Kenny would probably vehemently disagree with that, especially before he got hurt. But you know, the, the score, you know, the scoreboard is what the scoreboard is. So. No, I agree. I I'm saying he is. I'm saying maybe we're in a new era right. where these guys just aren't head and shoulders above everybody. And if you have a bad day, you go 10-5. Or if you crash, you can't win. I don't know. I, maybe. But I, I don't know. I don't see Kenny, especially, you know, last year. Uh, who knows what happens with him in the future. Um, Marvin, when he's healthy, I think is the same. 
Eli's the only one where I see just completely weirdo results out of him for seemingly no reason. I don't, I don't get it. I really don't. He's, he can be, and, and I think Jeffrey Hurlings made mention of this in a recent interview with him that Eli can be the, the unquestionably fastest rider on the planet, which I thought was really respectful and humble of Hurlings to say, or he can be just kind of mediocre, and there's not a lot of uh, indication as to why. Yeah. And I think we, we saw that yesterday. It's been a long series. Maybe he's just tired. It's maybe he's just tired. Uh, you know, uh, Zach Osborne went there a couple of years ago and got tired. And they do a lot of work at high altitude, John and Eli. And yeah. they well, like you it. Know, he, and, and he even made mention of it back. He doesn't take weekends off. He keeps hammering. And, may, you know, maybe. I, I, think it was, I think it was grinding. Was it grinding no, away? No, it was hammering. It was hammering, it was hammering away? Hammering, okay. yeah. Hammering. Um, I'm not worried about this I'm title. Not sure. I don't know. I, I just want to say, he texted that to me. I, I don't want to hold him accountable. I'm not sure if he was 100% serious. No, I, I know. I, and I'm just saying, as yeah. far as Math is saying, maybe he's just worn himself down a bit, you know. He obviously takes this training thing seriously. We all know that. Yeah. Hey, while we're on that subject, though, I'm glad you brought this up. Cause here's training? Because here's tangent I want to go off on. Training? Because I'll, I'll talk oh. about training if you want. Yes, I know you're an expert. Yeah. I know. I feel like, uh, okay, for whatever reason, Alvin Baker and his success is one of the more controversial topics in the sport. He either gets too much credit or not enough credit or whatever. But I feel like for 15 years I've been hearing, oh, you know Alden, man, he runs his guys to the red line and they're too skinny and they don't have any reserves. Who is the freshest guy right now? Who is the guy who is peaking the best late in the season? Besides Marty. Besides Marty. Oh, I was, I was throwing him yeah, Marty out I knew there. You were <laughs> Marvin Muscan, who has raced every race this year, has been on the gnarly, it'll wear you out, there's no reserves, they're too skinny, they get burned out training program. Marvin has raced every race this year. And he's hitting his peak in August, which most of the riders are not. And by the way, so is Zach Osborne. He's doing fine. So yeah, but didn't we can use this as more evidence the next time people say, "Oh, you know Alden's program, man." But he's hold skinny. on, the guys burn themselves out. Us three on the line laugh at that, and there's some highly uh, well-known pit people that say these things, but they all have they all have uh, access to grind. You know, or for whatever reason. Well, yeah, well, I'm going yeah. to grind back. I'm just going to yeah. keep every time I get evidence. Right. Like Villapoto, who usually the second half of the Nationals yeah. would come on even stronger after people were saying, oh, he's burned out. All this program burned. Here's more evidence again. So anytime I get this evidence, I'm just going to keep using it. Okay. All right. I got it. All right. Yeah. I, Marvin I, is hitting his peak now on this burnout program. Here we are. You know what? Eight. Maybe we Better don't even... Maybe we don't even want Tomac for Disnations. Like, beat it, bro. No, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, Let me make that very clear. I do. <laughs> Let me throw that not back good. around. Hot take. <laughs> you're well, not. You're not good enough. <laughs> hey, he he got Sealy did finish. Sealy did finish ahead of him this weekend. Yes, he did. Uh, he I'm, did. I'm he kidding. Did. Um, yeah, yeah, we're all joking. Please, please, we're all joking. Yeah. No, absolutely. I wish he was going. Um, I, I'm still. I don't know, guys. I'm not worried about this. I'm not. I know. I know this thing's been getting chinked away at and chunked away at these points, but I'm not. I'm not worried. I, I think. He, I think he's got it. I really. Yeah. I know. Thirty-one points is a lot. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's just weird. Like it's. It's. Yeah. It's getting to the point where you're like, is is there a pattern here or what? What is going on? Like you just kind of wonder, like what exactly is happening? You know, you. He was just. He wasn't good all day. Yeah. It just wasn't good. Yep. And uh, having said that, like maybe he'll crush it at buds, right? And we'll be yep. like, oh, okay. So. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, I'm with JP. It just seems weird. I, I, I'm not saying he's choking or he's not going to the title, but it's just puzzling. That's all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's time. It's time to talk about Marty Davalos. 
Right, here we go. Going after Marv. Going out after Marv. Like I, 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 I got this. You're nobody. I will catch and pass you. I am from Ecuador. I'm used to racing in the rainforests. And going after Marv. It was beautiful. It was great. Second overall for Marty. This is just getting better. It's just getting a better story. I did listen to your review podcast from Marshugal with uh, Jimmy and JT and yourself. And the two things that made me laugh most were JT saying our safe zone is to get into Marty Cox. And the other thing was the suggestion of having Chad and GL drink every other team under the table right. and represent Team USA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, here we are again. Martin Davalos is now, sit down, everyone, perhaps the most consistent force in 450 outdoor motocross. <laughs> One of the most consistent. He, he's just as solid as a rock outdoors yeah. on a 450. I feel like they should. I feel like Bob Seeger should just be playing wherever you see him, like just like a rock. Well, you know, when the conditions go sideways, Marty's going to step up. Oh, yeah. No. And Unadilla, you get these gnarly tracks, like Unadilla's old-school motocross tracks. I mean, no, that's, no. that's where Marvin eh, – Marvin's pretty good, but we know that's where Marty really excels. Right. Outdoor right. I mean, that's a given. We, but we no. knew that going in. It's, it's, it's Hannah. It's Davalos. You know, Coster, Dowd, Unadilla legends. <laughs> when you think blue-collar just grinded out kind of guys, you think Marty. <laughs> well, 8-2 for second is a tad fortunate. It's a tad fortunate, but that's okay. That's all right. We'll take it. We're good on the 450. We're going forward. We're looking 450 rides. We're good. We're solid. We're like a rock. Where's he going to end up? Really good. He's really good. Well, I was talking to a Marty Davlos insider. I'm not going to give away his name. Oh, God. But I was talking to one for a while the other day. Mm. Okay. Mm. He may or may not have a Supercross title without winning a race. Okay? So I'm going to narrow it. I realize that's still like a huge blanket of guys. I realize that's a whole massive lot of people that you could pick from. Yep. You know? But I'll give you guys that clue. Okay? Shmim Shaferi. He has a Supercross title by playing it smart. Shmim Shmeri. Okay? Shmim Shmeri. I'm not going to give the name away. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, you know, I was just talking to this guy, this legend, this hero. And, um, I mean, they're looking for 450. They are looking for 450 rides. But, shocking, there isn't really any out there right now. You know? I can tell you this. If he keeps putting deuces up on the board yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. he's going to find one. There's a – I could one – I could 95% see him at JGR on a 250 – uh, F program next year, and maybe four for the outdoors. I don't even know how that would go, but but two for the Supercross next year, riding a Suzuki. Yeah, not, I mean, I've, I've even don't know heard, how that will go. We're not, seeing I, how it would go. I've even heard the decision maker over there mention that. Yeah, I would be in. You know, I would be open to talking about that. That was five months ago, four months ago. So yeah, I could, I could see that happening. I, I think. But, at this point, I think let's put him on a 450. Like we've all, I think this uh, has been proven, like that he's capable. Um, but yeah, I mean, unless there's a spot, you, you know, where's yeah. he gonna go? Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm just glad that those people that talked about him 
taking a step up, using his talent. Maybe his mindset wasn't correct for the 250 class anymore, being 30 years old, and but he still has a ton of talent. Those people have been vindicated and proven correct. Absolutely. You, uh, whoever those people are, kudos. He is a 450 force, folks. Okay, for real, though, let's keep talking about Marty. It wouldn't be the right podcast if we didn't. Like, I think, I think he can top five, top seven supercrosses next year all day long. 450s. Yeah, there, I mean, there's no way to disprove that the way he's riding right now. I would agree. As long as he has good equipment, because yeah. I do think the bike he is on right now is uh, on par with anything that's out there. I think they have a great program. You know, KTM and Husky are virtually the same. Oh, no, no. Point. They're different, different, that's, different teams, different And that, that's fine. I, I will right. stand behind what I just said. Um, but he's on great equipment, which is it's fine. He's up against, you know, Marvin and Blake, and everybody's on great equipment. But yeah. I think uh, his success will mirror his uh, his equipment situation as well. We, should we get any uh, interesting revelations from Marty at the press conference? Uh, no. I mean, Marty's not uh, not an expert when it comes to the revealing interview. Yeah. I feel like they've got pretty much the same interviews for the last 13 years. Um <laughs> He did admit that he was overriding it a bit and going for it at the beginning of the second 450 moto. But a lot of that is, and I think you heard that from 250 guys also, a lot of that was the dudes just didn't know where to go. Like, they didn't have a parade lap. Yeah. The track was just rained on. So it was nothing like what they had earlier in the day. So I think a lot of it was like, oh, crap. Oh, okay, wait, low, let me try this. I think the first couple laps of the race were yeah. like that for everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That was a nutty day. And Seeley gets third. Uh, just lost out on the podium at Washougal, and now he gets the podium. So Cole Seeley, riding well, named to Team USA. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been pretty hard on this decision for Seeley to be on the team, and uh, he's riding really well. So I'll uh, I'll walk back my comments because even in the mud yesterday, he he stepped up. So good yeah. for him, America. Yep, um, he was top American. He was he was top American. He was top American. <laughs> yes. Um, let's talk about this nation's team real quick. Uh, what'd you think, JT Covington on uh 450? Mm-hmm. I thought it was gonna be the other way around, yep. and um, uh, Osborne 250 and CLA 450. Yeah, I think uh, I think Zach wanted to be on the 250, and I think there were uh good reasons to have him. I, I think him going out and hopefully winning um, the 250 class would be the goal. And I think that would be really, really important for the USA success overall in the day. Um, and I think him getting close to wrapping up this title, I think he's deserved that. You know, if he wants to ride the 250 as the national champion, by all means, let him ride the 250. Uh, the only question I have, Seeley has is, is obviously proven himself lately. Good, good for him. Um, I'm, all, I'm all in. Covington on a 450 is my really only concern. You know, I don't think he's ever raced a 450 in professional racing. Uh, I, I know he did as an amateur on Team Green, but man, that's a that's a pretty big stage to race a bike you've never raced professionally. So yeah. um, you know maybe he does well, but that's that's a big ask. It's a wild card for sure. Yeah, I yeah. mean, what do you? Yeah. There's no way he he can know what to expect. It's impossible. Weege, what do you think? Look, man, they announced it there on the starting line, or sorry, at Gravity Cavity, like they always do, and it was just hilarious to hear the same um, sound bikes that you always hear. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's not like anyone in December or January is drawing up Team USA, their best hopes being Thomas Covington on a 450, Cole Seeley, and, well, Osborne's fine. But 
it's this is not the original plan. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. We know this. Um, I don't even know if it's just like, hey, they're pure underdog status. I mean, Webb on a 450, Anderson on a 450, and uh, Alex last year. I, I feel like that was less underdog than this. Um, like, yeah, I would agree. I, I don't want to yeah, sugarcoat yeah, yeah. it. No, I would agree. I, I mean, come on. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of the times. And the one thing I will say about these guys, the thing about Sealy and Covington, Osborne's pretty much proven himself this year. He can do whatever, any conditions, any start, whatever. He's good. Sealy and Covington, they're either going to be hot or cold. I mean, there are GPs where Covington's as good as anybody, and there's ones where he's not good. And Sealy, I think especially outdoors, kind of the same thing. So there is a puncher's chance that they both happen to have good days and just gel uh, and could do well. But there's unfortunately also the downside. I mean, Covington has been wildly inconsistent, I feel, in his GP career. So you never know. Um, yeah, I think I think Osborne can win MX2 without a doubt. Yep. Uh, I think he can win MX2. Um, he can for yeah. sure. That, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think he goes in yeah. as the favorite. He's to the win. favorite to win. Yes. Yep. And uh, Sealy, I feel we. I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I don't think he's been hot and cold. Uh, he'll be solid, but he won't win. And then Covington will just have to try to be solid. You know, but he won't win either. I feel like a little sneaky thing in the donations is whenever they change the rule, like for years you were just scored in your class. And then, like 12 years ago or so, they changed wherever you finish overall in the motos that you get, which pretty much means you should honestly put your best guy in a 250 all the time. Because the difference between beating, you know, if you can put five 250s or five 450s between you and the second best 250 guy, that is a massive, massive, massive swing and the points of the day. No one thinks this way. No one notices this. But, I mean, if you go out there and finish first or second on a 250, it's a good chance the second-best 250 guy is going to finish seventh or eighth. Mm-hmm. That is a huge advantage yep. in the points. Yep. No one plays it that way. They all want to ride 450s. They don't want to be the guy in the shit bike against the faster bike. Right. But just by accident, this might be an advantage. I'll tell you one, one aspect, too, that uh, no one's really talked about. Obviously, it's only a, this decision's only been a day old, but... One thing I do like about Covington, I don't know how I feel about him on the 450, but him being on the team in general is that he's not going to be worried about Supercross at all. So for him, when he finishes up his last GP in France, he's going to be ready to go. He's not going to have this five-week downtime where he's worried about Supercross and Monster Cup and getting ready for anything else other than Motocross of Nations, which he's coming right off the last GP for. So. Um, I think that helps him where he doesn't have this break or time off or uh, torn, you know, uh, intentions of what to ride and train for. So um, I'm hoping that works in our favor anywhere as he comes in just as prepared as all the GP guys do. Did you guys happen to listen to my Eli Tomac post-race interview about the designations? No. Weech? Uh, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, pretty, some harsh words there. Uh, not harsh words, but hard, um, harsh feelings. Yeah, well, he's been he's been taking it. Yeah, he's he's been getting beat up. What'd you think of it, Weege? Well, he answered the million dollar question. You said if it was you know a week or two after that USGP, would you do it? And he said absolutely. And yeah. so that's the answer to the million dollar question. Yeah, it's it comes down to one thing and one thing only: the date of the race. It's not a break. It's it's not that he's raced. You know, one extra race is going to kill him or the money or anything like that. It's the timing. If the timing of the date changes. He races. He said it. Yeah. So that's yeah. what it all comes down to. We now know for a fact. 
But, uh, you know, I asked him for the interview. I said, hey, Eli, you got time to talk? And he was like, mm, not today. I'm like, okay, no problem. Like, whatever. Uh, and then uh, I was t- talking to his mom, Kathy, a little bit. She had she was, had no shoes on, so I found that weird. So I wanted to ask her about that. And then uh, then he comes back. Eli comes back and goes, you know what? I'll do it because you haven't been an ass. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess he notices or hears or reads that I've, you know, I, I, I understand his decision to stick, skip this. I wish he was there, but I understand it. And, uh, and so I think he's just been really social media wise and everything else. He's just been getting hammered. You know, RJ, you've been hammering everybody. on him. Um, I mean, everybody. So, yeah, it's been, know. it's been rough for him. I, I feel for him, even though I'm, I'm bummed, you know, that he's not going, I feel, I feel for him because I don't think it's, malicious or anything why he said no but he's getting just it's, clobbered but you know? dunge didn't get clobbered or did he i don't remember uh he took some heat did he, he definitely took okay some heat. all right yeah we just forget it because i mean dunge skipped it twice i think dunge got a little lucky because he wasn't really good the last two times he yeah won. i was about to say that yeah, yeah maybe right. maybe yep <laughs> I think it took the pressure off. Everybody was like, um, eh, don't worry about right. it, bro. We got this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The problem is Eli raced four GP motos last year and completely and totally destroyed everybody in all four. Yep. So that's what everybody remembers. Yeah, that could be. Um, Cooper Webb almost got on the podium. Uh, rode well, second moto. Seventh in the first one, though, and with the muddy conditions. Uh, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm still like, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you were to judge Cooper Webb's rookie season indoors and out, JT, it's just eh, right? Uh, I would say underwhelming for sure. When you look at the expectations and the paycheck and all that, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think it. I don't think it was what people expected. But he had highlights, you know. When the when the conditions favored what he felt like worked in his favor, which was soft and and kind of tougher conditions, Oakland. Um, you know, this weekend was more of the same, and, and you can see it. I mean, the the results bear that out. Yeah, he got a third in the second moto, but like, I, but because of the conditions, I'm not like, oh, he's great. You know, no, no, yeah, it yeah. seems like it's it's very conditions based. Right. Yep. when he's going to do good or bad. Southwick did well, yep. condition based. Yeah. Um, Baggett, yeah, it is what it is with Baggett. Uh, not a great second moto. First moto was good though for Blake uh, with the thumb, but yeah, like you said, JT, he's just he's struggling a bit. Dino did okay coming through the pack. Uh, both motos, I don't think his starts were ideal. Uh, Bogle, like we said, had that third place in the bag. Second moto, the only guy behind Bogle was Phil. Uh, and he Bogle came from basically last to tenth in that shortened 20-minute moto. So that's a great ride, uh, considering he was so far back. He rode really well. Yeah, I was. Uh, he was on my fantasy team, so I was watching him pretty closely. And uh, he was 30th on the first lap. And yep. I'm like, oh, this is going to be really bad. Yeah. Probably going to pull off in the mud. And he never, I mean, he never gave up. He kept charging. He was blowing past people. And uh, when he got to 10th, I was like, eh, you know, he had like a 20-second gap to the next guy. But um, for a guy that doesn't have a deal, it was uh, it was encouraging to see him not give up. Can't you see him ending up at JGR? Well, we, yeah. You're, yeah Weed, you're our JGR insider. Can't you see him ending up there? Yes, I've heard his agent is trying very hard to pull for that. And I've also heard, um, this is kind of cool. I, I heard even Carmichael, we, we know that Bogle's been down there at Ricky's place. I heard even Carmichael uh, called to put in a good word for him. Like, hey, 
He's gotten better since he's come down here. We're going to keep this going. He's going to keep getting better. We're going to keep working with this dude. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, you know, I've heard RC's got a role with this JGR team. Have you guys heard that? No. The rumor? That's news to me. Yeah, rumor is he's going to have a role uh, around there still at the races. So we'll see. Um, I just thought it was cool that he, you yeah, know, yeah. he could have just shut the doors of the team and been like, yeah, I'm out. Right. But he's still trying to find a place and help this guy out, which I thought was cool. Benny Bloss was happy after the race that he helped out his fantasy owners, which include, included me, which I didn't know at the time, but I guess I did pick him. So Benny came from dead last to 15th in the first moto. Or not dead last, but way back there. And um, Henry Miller, can, another good ride by Henry Miller. Weston Pike had some front brake issues in one moto, the first moto. Um, so that kind of sucked for him. And Phil came back. Filthy Phil comes back. And I he, he asked me for a prediction. I said, you're going to go 14-18. And he laughed and said, well, I wouldn't even show up if I was going to do that. Well, he went 12-18. So I was not far off, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, what did Phil have to say about his day, Weege? Uh Well, you talked to him after the race. I talked to him at a kid's birthday party. Uh-huh. So I don't know if that's really uh, journalistic integrity. But the team has had so much fun with Phil's crash off the uh, start straight in the second moto. <laughs> um, you know, full as he told as he told you, full scorpion. Yes, went flying. <laughs> and the best part was uh, he had to pull in for new gloves. You know, he landed yeah. straight like underwater practically, mm-hmm. to pull him for new gloves, and uh, ever wondering if he might be uh, charged or taxed for those new gloves. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look for the 1099. Um, yeah, he rode well, though. I mean, he was way back. He came to 18th, so, um, you know, he did his thing. But I, I was giving him the gears because that, that wasn't far off my prediction, which actually I was mocking him a bit with my prediction, but it really wasn't far off. Um, well, I enjoy how in typical Steve Mathis fashion, he said, if I hadn't crashed off the start, I might have been looking at a 12-5. And you just said, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Come on, stop at 12-5. He's not getting five. What does he think he's getting five? He's good in the mud. He said he's good in the mud. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, did you hear Pike's, uh, when I interviewed Pike, I said, is it good to have Phil back on the team? And he said, uh, yeah, it's great. He's been giving himself blowjobs for months now, so it's really nice to have him back. <laughs> just like straight, straight serious. <laughs> and then he just kept moving on with the race. I'm just like this. This team, this team is unbelievable. Uh, speaking of that, did, uh, JT, did you hear about the Barsha stuff a little bit with JGR? No, I did not. Well, he knocks himself out at Washougal, and we saw that. That was pretty scary. But then he went to the hospital for some neck pain, but that checked out. So his he went to his doctor, who said um, if you take a week off, you should be able to ride. So he took the week off. Uh, Went to the press day, road press day. The Alpine Star medical unit was like, okay, you're not cleared to ride. Where's the note from your doctor? And he didn't have one, and he was told he couldn't ride. But he had done press day. So really like a weird lack of communication between the A-Stars medical team, between Barsha, between Barsha and his doctor, between J-Bone a little bit. Because, you know, if you tell J-Bone, he's going to make sure everything's in line and in mm-hmm. order. And J Bone was also very confused. He just thought that, well, can he just take retake the concussion test at the track, you know, and, and then be cleared? But apparently he wasn't. So, Weejo, really a really strange deal all around. Not many guys ride yeah, press I didn't day. Yeah, I know about that. I just I just knew it was weird that he was yeah said he was in for the race and then rode and then Friday night a press release saying he wouldn't ride came out and then he went on Instagram to basically explain that even he was confused. So yeah. I knew something was up that was weird, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, to add insult to injury, 
I mean, if you're Barsha and it's Unadilla and it's freaking rains and you're dying to have just one freaking good thing to, to put on your resume right now, mm-hmm. it must have been killing him watching that second moto. Yeah. Yeah, especially because he can pull a start and everything, you know, that he needs. But uh, really weird. Like, yeah, that could have been his, his deal right there. That could have been totally his bag. I thought if you showed up, JT, and took that test and you were good, you got to race. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know the protocol. Um, well, yeah, you, I would agree. That seems logical, but I have no idea. Yeah. So apparently Barsha couldn't get a hold of the doctor, his doctor either or something, so he was trying to get the note. But anyways, yeah, really weird situation to have a guy ride press and then from New York and then not race. So, um, All right, this is the uh, uh, Fly Racing, Racer X, uh, Univillar Review podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects. Thanks for checking out, everybody. Alpine Stars uh, got great, great products, as we know. So please check out their production, production line and also to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Official gear of, uh, of half the field out there. It's seeming like uh, Fly Racing killing it right now with their 2018 stuff. Easy to see in the mud, by the way, JT. Uh, yeah, I yeah. stuff good. I mean, it helped that it wasn't so much mud and a lot of water, especially yeah. in the first moto. Yeah. So, um, yeah. All right, anything else on 450s, you two? All right, let's listen to this commercial from uh, Race Tech and Michelin Starcross 5, and uh, we'll be right back to talk some 250s. Thanks to Fly Racing and Alpine Star Protects for coming on this podcast. Now here's some commercials from Race Tech and Michelin. Listen, all right? Thanks. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Race Tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Race Tech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say... I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate... Blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? 
In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows, they might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back! FlyRacing.com, Racer X Podcast, presented by Alpine Star Protects. I'm Mathis, uh, Thomas, and Wygant on the line with us. We'll talk some 250s, but before we do that, Weege, I understand that your partner, Grant Langston, really got in-depth with Kawasaki this this weekend, really got a inside look at Monster Energy Kawasaki? Oh, yes. I mean, I have to give credit, you know, as a uh, broadcast journalist to put in the extra effort to try to get the inside scoop to share with the world, uh, embedding himself uh, within the team. Uh, he doesn't really remember doing so. But uh, on Saturday, I saw the Cali guys, Mike Williamson, and he's like, hey, we had a Zulu in our trailer when we showed up this morning. And I'm like, really? Zulu Warrior? He's like, oh, yeah. So apparently Langston um, slept in the Cowie rig on Friday night. And uh, he was actually mad because he normally sleeps a lot later than uh, he could have because they come in about 7 in the morning to get ready. Right. And uh, he's mad because they said, dude, are you sleeping up there? And he's like, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He's all bitter. uh, The best part was... Uh, after we were done with our practice show at about 11 o'clock, he's like, dude, I actually have a, dude, where's my car? I have no idea where my car is. So he had to leave and just walk around and try to find it. So, Grand Langston, everybody. <laughs> it's Blasted. nice to see the old GL is back at times. He, he's, <laughs> like a, happy. he's like a retired war hero that gets called back in once in a while and can still, you know. Yeah, he has a special set of skills. Right. Special set of skills. Yeah, <laughs> it's really nice of him to, to you know really get the inside of that Kawasaki truck and all that went on. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stay in here all night and find out what's going on. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Good to hear a GL story. Um, I checked uh, 250 class. Uh, I checked in with uh, J-Mart on the feud with Phil. Weed, you had to like that. That was straight Hulkamania. Oh, God. So good. Please go to Mathis's Instagram now to see the J-Mart video, which you claim he asked you to do. Yes, that was all Here. him. He said, ah, I've been looking for you. I'm like, well, riders normally don't say that. Like, they don't normally yeah. say that. I'll give, yeah. you, I'll give you guys a tip. He's like, I got to film Nicoletti shirt. We got to film something. I guess some fans uh, were, yeah, were, there's Phil Nicoletti shirts at Unadilla, and J-Mart wanted to take that opportunity to address the feud they have, <laughs> him and Phil. So, um. It was fun. I, I did get a retort from Phil today. Oh, you at did? At the two-year-old birthday party. Yep. Yes. He says I'm a bitch, but he had to tear holes in the shirt so he could pull it apart. <laughs> well, it was actually my idea. I said, if you're going to rip the shirt, we got to, like, I don't think you can just rip the T-shirt. We got to, like, you know, fix something here. So <laughs> it's actually my fault uh, as far as that planning goes. Um, but <laughs> that's great. Yeah. He, uh, great. Yeah, J-Mart so great. says he gets fans all the time asking him how things going with Phil and everything else. And then I said to Phil... How do you feel about J-Mart winning? And he said, well, he's a shit stick, but it's good to see him win. So that's that's where that's at. So, <laughs> All right. Um, 
so Jmart wins. He goes two one. Uh, Savachi goes one for that that super secret testing for Savachi still working because uh, he took that moto win. Um, I I think still working. And AC out front tips. Wait, you do? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You shit on the testing. No, I, I'm. He's I'm being kidding. sarcastic. I'm, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, still working. Still working. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's gone. Um, probably about four or five positions further forward than he was before that. So, yes, right. it's garbage. The the delicate little flowers that riders are. Uh, uh, here we go. But he, he He's won half of the motos since that time. Yeah, garbage. I really thought that AC was going to rebound. He lost the overall at Washougal JT on that last half lap. And I, I, I honestly said, I, I think I said on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show that I think AC is going to win this weekend. I think it'll just work out. That's how the motocross gods will do it. And then he's leading the Moto 1, and I'm like, yeah, here we go. And then uh, tips over, and then not only tips over, loses two spots late in the race. Like, not a good race. And then afterwards, I saw uh, AC's uh, dad and Adam and Mitch looking, like, very serious in a meeting after the race. Maybe not. Maybe they were talking about, you know, a Corgis or the latest Spinner, but it looked serious. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure they're just trying to get answers as to what's going on because he seemingly has all the tools to uh, to make this happen, and there's there's just little holes here and there in the game, whether it's mental or whatever's happening. You know, it's I, I'm sure Mitch is just trying to put a stop to it and fix the problem before it turns into something more serious because it's it's been you know it was the same as uh at Washuga where everything was there to win and you know it was just some sort of mental lapse late that uh that cost him so um the good news is is he's got all like i said he's got all the tools to win he's got the speed he's got the bike he's got everything it takes um he's just got to work on these little mistakes he's making he's got the magic suspension that Joey's got the changes the chassis changes well it's not like he's not leading races i mean but if you fall over and you give up spots the last two laps like he's done the last two races. I mean, that's that's not chassis. That's not settings. That's just that's Adam. That's a problem with Adam right now. Uh, also, in my post-race interview, Weege, uh, J-Mart was pretty honest and open about it. I'm like, I feel like we just we haven't seen the same guy. And he's like, new team, new bike. I don't know what's up. He's pretty honest about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I give credit to all these guys nowadays. Uh, back at Redbud, I was going to dinner with some of the guys on the TV crew. And you know how it gets, man. We're 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 the same way. You get late in the season, and people just start turning negative and start making fun of things and all that. And I tried to turn that around. Someone on the TV crew is like, "Do you feel like today's riders are easier to get interviews with and deal with, or, or worse?" And I'm like, "Honestly, better. They're honestly better. I'm not going to be one of these super negative guys." You go back to the Chad Stu RC days. Just don't even try it. Everything is a mental game. Everything's a secret. They're not going to admit weakness anytime, any place, anywhere. I feel like most of these guys nowadays are pretty much an open book, and if they're struggling, they admit they're struggling. And mm-hmm. you can say it to them, and they don't get pissed off. Uh, I appreciate that. Almost all the riders I feel will 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 give you that. And even when you talk to Tomac, he pretty much said he just didn't have it. You know what I mean? He didn't yeah. try to make ridiculous excuses. So yeah, you said to J Mart hasn't been the same guy the last couple of weeks, and he's like, yeah, absolutely. You think that's? Um, a, you think that's why some guys don't like me though? Because <laughs> it goes back to the Phil comment too. But I mean, I feel like I can ask that. Like I feel like that's a totally legit question. No, I, I, dude, I've said it with you all the time. We like to make fun of you for being the guy that always talks shit and everybody hates. But I always say you're really going at a ninety-five percent rate. Ninety-five percent of the people all the time you're fine with, and then there's always this five percent that are off the deep end. But for the most part, I feel like. Everybody's a lot more honest than they used to be, and if they're yeah. struggling, 
a guy like Jeremy Martin's not going to go six nine or nine six at Washougal yeah. and try to tell you that it was great. They just don't do that anymore, right. which is great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was going for it in the second moto. I guess you, I mean JT in the mud. That's what you do, and and we talked a little bit about that because you don't know where to go, but. Man, he was like, I'm like, oh boy, like feet coming off, sliding around, like he was pinning it. Yeah, it's tough, especially when you don't do a hot lap or right. do any, you don't have no idea where the water holes are. You don't know anything, you know, and to watch those guys come around the first lap and to see that water hole before you cross the start line again mm-hmm. was almost comedy because they almost like came to a stop and were like, uh, <laughs> can we, do we cross this or like, Am, like, am I Robbie Madison right now? You know, like, what are, what are we supposed to do here? And then, uh, you know, they all blasted through there. But it was funny. I watched, literally watched them the first lap, and J-Mart was the first guy, and he was like, you could see him, like, pause. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to do. Right. Like, where do I go? Yeah. Um, Savachi won four, yeah. Osborne didn't have a great day. He lost points to uh, Jeremy Martin, but who really cares? Uh, JT, he salvaged the podium. He did what he's supposed to do uh came up from about 10th in that first moto to grab third you know late in the race and um that's just what he is just uh looks good looks really good to clinch it this weekend at butts creek yeah i mean for for zach he obviously wants to win i mean he was pushing really hard late in the race to, to try to make up spots but uh for him the whole name of the game is to stay above 50 points next uh next weekend if he, if he you know at the end of the day next weekend if he's 51 points ahead or even i guess 50 because yeah. he's won more races uh it's game over so i think it's either 11 or 13 i don't remember what the points gap is um but you know he basically just needs to go toe-to-toe with with jay martin hang in there and it's uh it's that's a wrap weege um i know zach will sometimes listens to these shows do you think that maybe we should have sent savachi as he's now on the roll and not osborne it's true. I saw your tweet. I think he might be the weak link. I'm in the last three races. Savachi has outscored him, correct? Uh, yep, yep, yep. Yep. So you got to get him while they're hot, man. It's like the NFL playoffs. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's right. not about the team with the best record. It's who's coming into the playoffs hot. Yep, yep. So uh, maybe we should talk about Savachi a little bit. I think you're right. I mean, Mike Brown was named to the team at one year and then booted. So can we boot Osborne? I, I think you could make a case. I think you can make a case for putting Joey on the 250 and Zach on a 450. I think right. you can make that case. I, I think Zach deserves to ride whatever bike he wants. He should have his choice. He's going to be your national champion, in my opinion. But um, I think if you have to choose between Savachi or Covington, I'll take Savachi. Yeah, and by the way, I don't know how much information everyone listening to this has. Um, Plessinger could not go. He has a foot injury. Anderson cannot go with a foot injury. I'm just running through the list of, because yeah. I think there's probably people listening that are like, seriously, they picked Covington over Jeremy Martin? Well, Honda, I think, pretty much said, we'll give you one guy. You can have Sealy, but we can't make two bikes. That's too expensive. So it, they didn't pick Covington over uh, uh, some other choices. The other choices were not available. I think Jeremy Martin would have been willing to go. But Honda wasn't he willing was. to ship two he, 450s. But, yeah. the, but again, that's the problem with this race. We're not sending uh, our we best go. team because of cost. All right. So what's wrong with the race when we're not doing this? So now Gate Drop can ask Giuseppe about that. Run around, ask them about that. So um, it's just a shame, you know, because J-Mart did want to go for sure. But I don't know. Yeah. Like, like I wouldn't. So J-Mart would ride the big bike, and I don't know about that one. 
Like, don't don't throw at me Daytona. You don't want you. So if you have to choose between Covington on a 450 and J-Mart on a 450, you're going to choose Covington. No, but I would choose Weegis plan, Savachi, and then Zacco on the big bike. Well, that was my plan, but that was I, JT's plan. Oh, yeah. I, I still I would take I would take J-Mart over Covington. I I, I would. I mean, yeah. It's a pretty easy choice for me on a factory Honda 450. Would yeah, I'm in. Would you take Justin Cooper after that no. rookie race? No. Uh, nice job by him. Second. The mud race, uh, awesome. first, first moto 12th, uh, came up from the back a little bit. Uh, Horizon Award winner, Loretta Lynn's own, Jason Wygant. What did you think of that? Well, I think all the second moto results, there's a, kind of an asterisk on all of it. And my proof is wow. even Sabachi and shitting, and shitting on the kid. Right on, cool. Well, look, and here's where I'm taking my advice from. J-Mart himself said, yes, the first moto was great. I finished second. That was a big bounce back. Second moto, all I did was get a whole shot. I think everyone is riding off the second moto. Even the dude who won the second moto wrote it off as, I got a whole shot in a mud race. Savachi wasn't like, oh, man, my win streak's over. He's, I think Savachi was more like, well, in the dry moto, I won still, so it's still going pretty well. I mean, you can only read so much into starting second in a mud race and finishing second. Well, JT, was riding, off said, Tom- JT was riding off Tomac's results, so I'm like, oh, boy. I thought fifth was all right in, in that kind of conditions. So. But I feel like overall, saying you're going to compare Justin drive- Cooper to Eli Tomac. No, we just saying the whole second moto should just be like whatever, whatever happened. Yeah, I know, happened. but I'm saying, so. I mean, Eli Tomac is so that, that fifth was fine, like that. It's it's, it's horrendous. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's fine for now. You want to lose nine points in a moto? It's that's going to you know it's going to add up quickly. Is all I'm saying. All right, carry on, Weech. I'm not going to get too crazy over the second moto. He started second. He finished second in the mud. But in general, when you watch this dude ride and you see him in the first moto, he only got 12th, but he was battling with uh, McElrath and uh, Colt Nichols. He just looks different, I feel, than most rookies. Like, a lot of the rookies come in and they can go fast. We've talked about this in the podcast a thousand times. They can turn a ridiculous lap time. But when you watch him, it doesn't look out of control. It looks repeatable. It looks like he can do that all day. I kind of feel the same way about Sexton, by the way. Um, So I still feel like there's something different. I don't want to use the word special yet, but there's something different about him than the average dude who comes in and goes fast for a couple of races. Eh, that's all I'll give him. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm oh, kidding. Stop. I'm kidding. <laughs> Easy, Matthews. <laughs> I'm kidding. That Matthews guy. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's out of the sport. Um, who would have thought that Jamart is now seeking you out well, for comedy? Just for Phil, I think. When he's it just seeking you Phil. out, I can understand, but not for those reasons. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Matthews. Um, uh, my wife texted me. She's like, "You must just be so happy Phil is back. Have you have you left his side yet?" Like, even she knows. I'm like, "Easy, easy." Um, <laughs> okay, so Plessinger, if Plessinger doesn't fall in the second moto, does he win? I say he might. Uh, I, he's pretty good in those conditions. Yeah, you got to give him at least a shot, right? But I feel like. The way that track was, and you didn't see many people passing, like, I almost felt like that was an inevitable conclusion. Like, he was fired up. He's like, I'm going for the win. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to pass dudes in, in that, those conditions to get a 50-50 shot, but that's going to work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Crown turned pro, too, 16th. Good job for Joey. Good, solid day. It looked like he got a little tired the first moto. The second moto was, was, uh, was yep. more solid. He didn't drop off at all. The, uh, the last maybe five laps of the, sec- the, of the first moto, he, saw, he was suffering mm-hmm. for sure. Sexton tied a season best uh, moto finish for him. 
seventh in the first moto. That was good. He came up from the back too, so that was that was nice to see. Yeah, what's the deal with Sexton starts? He's he hasn't. I don't feel like he's gotten good starts at all this year. No, apparently that's what. Not even once. The amateur gurus say that that's that's par for the course, huh, Weech? Yeah, I didn't know that actually oh. uh, until your podcast with him. Um, but that's not. Look, man, at this level, uh, I don't know. That's like um, that's like the quarterback who has the weirdo throwing motion. Sorry, JT, but I mean, you just don't want to have the stank of he's not a good starter yeah. at this level. Right. So hopefully that's inaccurate because man, it's a tough road to hoe if you're the guy that consistently doesn't get started in the pro. Class. All right, he can play baseball if this doesn't work out. There you go, New and York Mets save people's lives on planes. Yep, uh, Kyle Cunningham rode well, tenth overall. Good job for Kyle Cunningham. Probably really helped his fantasy uh, owners, I bet. Uh, some of us picked him at Watch Google, though. So, but yeah, like Jay Bone said, he can really ride if he could just, you know, cut out the crashing. <laughs> the bad starts, man. He gets bad starts. He crashes. He yep. Throws it away. Um, poor Jay Bone. Uh, what else? Anything else? Uh, Honda shakeup. The Rock is out. Dan Bentley going from Honda to Geico, and Eric Kehoe coming back. Weege. Yeah, yeah. They had Kehoe's number, I guess, on speed dial the whole time. They never deleted it from their. Uh, <laughs> it's um, like a bat phone. It was a, it was a bat phone it, it, underneath the glass little the hog cover. signal. Yeah. And this could be a twenty minute Marty style tangent uh, altogether with all the moving parts here. But what I kind of heard from the inside is that, uh, okay, look, let's look, let's put it this way: the industry doesn't have the same money that it once used to. So I think it's more efficient from a money standpoint to develop the 450 and 250 together. The bikes are pretty similar. Chassis-wise, they are. Engine's actually quite a bit different on the 250, but chassis-wise, they're pretty similar. And I think Geico's kind of always been a bit of a silo, kind of done their own thing. Uh, So I think it's just easier for everyone involved to be like, when we learn this, you learn this, we learn this together, you're going to get one of our Honda guys over there, and we'll have our own Honda guy over here, and we'll all work together. Uh, so I think that was a big part of it. And I've also heard as the bikes are more data heavy, I mean, I don't picture Michael Rocco as a data guy. Is anybody? No. Michael Rocco a data guy? I don't, I don't see that, no. I don't like to put people in a box, but I'll, I'll go with you. I'll go with you on that, on that path. Yeah. So I think it's just, if you're going to go in this direction of data heavy and, and, and we're, we're running this from an engineering standpoint, I think it just made a little more sense. Um, maybe from an economic standpoint. So, um, and that's tough. Everybody, as tough as the exterior of Michael Rocco is, I think we all like him. So hopefully, hopefully it all works out for him in the end. But I think that was a real reason to do it. Integrate the teams a little bit more and be a little more efficient. Yeah, I think I think the Rock's still going to be around helping the riders a little bit more, helping the riders out. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I was surprised that Dan Dan Bentley is Honda through and through, six time, you know, corporate guy always been at honda and i was like so this was forced on you and he's like no no i like this this is great they asked me i said sure this is great i get to be more technical it's closer to my house he was he was excited about the move dan was stoked well i think that's what you're seeing it's it's almost like two it's almost like one big factory team almost a little bit more Mm -hmm. maybe than two separate teams so i think that's why it doesn't matter so much it's uh it's funny though to see this you have you have Bobby Reagan, you know, poaching another rider, Justin Cooper on the podium at Loretta's, and, and 
the Rock River Cycle Trader guys are like WTF. You have J Bone fighting the J Bone. The J Bone telling us about the difficulties that JGR Yamaha and Factory Yamaha had. Then you had Yoshimura Suzuki and RCH Suzuki absolutely at each other's throats. You know when they raced each other, um, and then you know Honda's over here like, yeah, we're all working together here. And and I mean, yes, yeah, some of it's a little apples to oranges, but I just found it funny. Like some of these other OEMs, I feel should be that way. You know, so. Good to see Honda trying to do this. See if it works, but yeah, yeah, it's not what people think. I've, I think we've said that on this show over and over. You think everyone working for the same brand is working together, but no, honestly, probably like sixty forty. Most of the time, it's probably not the case. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, Scuba Steve had a eleventh in the second moto, privateer guy, killing it, and he was right up front in the first moto JT until his bike broke. So yeah, yep, bummer, bummer for him. Um. All right. Anything else, uh, Unadilla wise, Nations wise, Honda shakeup wise, silly season wise, anything? Weeds, JT. I'm interested to see how Bud's Creek goes because I don't. I don't think, for all intents and purposes, I don't think that UI puts up another ten five. But what's, I think I do think Marv wins Bud's Creek the way he's riding. Could you imagine if he does go ten five again and he? Gives up another, you know, 19 points or whatever it was. Well, um, something to think about, too, is Indiana. Have we had a dry race there yet? Have we had? I don't uh, think so. Um, nice conditions? It like, hasn't been perfect. There's been mutters and, like, not quite mutters, but it hasn't right. been perfect. Which means, tells me, you know, which I'm throwing that out there, JT, because, okay, so Marv wins, then we go to Indiana, and now it's going, going to maybe be mutter slash difficult conditions and shit. Anything can go then, you know? Yeah, well, what did what did uh, EY give back to Marv this weekend? Uh, four, 15 points, four, 14 points the first moto, nine to so 23. He gives up 23 again at either of the next two rounds, and it gets real in a hurry. So I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. I think this was a you know right. an aberration. But uh-huh. okay, level of concern, JT, on a scale of one to 15 in honor of Tim Ferry. Level uh, of I would concern. say like a three, but oh, okay. Well, you sure as hell didn't make it out to be a three at the beginning of the show. But I don't have any answers for it. That's what. <laughs> that's the thing. Like if if he crashed on the start and it was like, oh crap, we got back tenth. You'd be like, all right, well, whatever. Like he's got thirty-one points. Whatever, it's Eli. You know, he's fine. But he didn't. Like he, okay, he had a tear-off problem. But yeah, everybody kind of has tear-off problems when it starts raining. And I mean, he got passed by Marty. I don't know, man. It was just a weird, weird deal. So he probably bounces back, and it's like all moot and no big deal. But it was just a weird day. So your level of concern is only a three. Okay. Yeah, but because right. it's 31 points. If it was 10 points, my level would be like a 14. Right. Okay. But 31 points is a lot of points. Look, I'm going to help JT out here. It's exactly what it is. It's because he's got this huge points advantage going in. I think there's two things happening at once. Title-wise, if you're just asking title-wise, like, dude, he's got a big points lead, and the guy second in points is a bad thumb, and there's only four motos left. Title-wise, you cannot be too overly concerned, for sure. But I think this is a, a bigger thing than this. I mean, he won all these Supercross races, and Dunn's retired, and we didn't know what Roxon's condition was. So I think it was like, all right, it's starting to look like it's Eli's time. And just when it started to look like that, it, now it suddenly doesn't quite. So it's not necessarily about just – does he clinch the title over the next two weekends? I think it was a little bit bigger than that of, like, is he just going to become the next Dunge, RV, uh, Stu, 
R.C. McGrath. He's just going to start dominating everything all the time. And just when it looked like, yep, he is, now all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. So I think that's why the level of concern sounded more okay. alarming than it is. If you're just talking straight title this summer, got a big points lead. Makes it a lot easier. But it's still a little bit different than I think was expected. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what's your level of that's concern? Title? Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Of like, three. Dude. Okay. There's four motors left, and he's got 31 points on Marv. Like, All right. Yeah. I'm going very low on the level of concern. Okay. All right. I look at it this way, though. Okay. It's been six motos that it's it, things have gone sideways. So we, but we don't have six left. We got four left. How many has he lost in the last four? I looked. I mean, I, I think Marv has gained 31 uh, since this win streak began. Cut it from like 72 to 31. Is it 30 or 30? The win streak. Yeah, because I was going to say it's been 30 in the last two weeks. Yeah, but um, or maybe 29. I mean, he only gained six at Washougal. Um, it, okay, sorry. I mean, it might be 33. I think it was 74 to 31. But okay. 33 points in three weekends is not a joke. No, that, that's that's my only thing. Is there's no there's nothing to point to and say this is why he lost the points. It's no big deal. He's fine. It's been like systematically point reduction, you know, or system. I don't know how to phrase that correctly. I guess I need to study English language better, but yeah, you do. He's just lost points because he hasn't been as good. That's, you know, that's kind of how it's gone. And I don't know what to point to. And that's the weird thing. That's the troubling thing is when you don't know why things are happening, that's where you run into like, Oh, I don't know what to make of this. If you're crashing or, whatever, like, weirdo race incidents. Like, you, yeah, okay, well, there's four motos, and he's, you know, still Eli Tomac. But that hasn't been the case. He just hasn't been quite as good. And even if you're going 2-2, it's like, yeah, whatever. All right, you're fine. You, you know, you won all the race at the beginning, and that's why you're in this position. But he, even this weekend, it wasn't 2-2. Like, he was nowhere near 2-2. It's just weird. It's just strange. Like, we're probably making a big deal out of nothing, and this all is, you know. Yeah, you guys are, not me. But, not me, you two. I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with Sunday after Indiana saying yeah we made a big deal out of nothing but sitting here right now after six motos in a row it's it's very strange to me that's all JT would you like to talk about Jerry Robin I would I would not I, I would rather uh, save that for uh, midweek this week okay. and uh, yeah I have a, I have a couple things to say about Jerry Robin <laughs> as do I. <laughs> As do I. Poor Jerry. He sent me a bunch of texts, though, JT. I want you Can to we get that. a reason as to what actually went on? He crashed and hit his head. Oh, um, okay. He, he, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I'll have to walk it back a little bit, but, man. <laughs> he feels – he sent me some texts. The Twitter heat is getting to him, I think. I feel bad a little bit. Maybe we all need to let Jerry just live his life. Yeah, I, it, whatever. I mean, it's like he's got his own stuff to worry about, but it's only because he's so good. Like you go out and qualify in the top fifteen, and then right. you d- don't ever finish ever. <laughs> Weege, did you drop leopard seal this weekend? Uh, you you cued me at the very end of the first moto to say leopard seal in the wet. Yeah, and I, I did throw that in. I don't think I had it uh, in the second motos, even though Marvin did win. Hey, remember on this podcast the preseason, I picked Gary Robin as my four fifty. Sleeper. So now stage one has taken place. Right. Switch to the 450 class. There's still time. Right. It sounds There's like he hit his head and was a sleeper in yeah. the first moto. Yeah, he was literally a sleeper. But I still got time to pull this out. Um, All right. I mean, I think we know the real sleeper answer is Henry Miller. We we whiffed on that, but uh, still time. 
Jerry Robinson. And Henry was solid again. Yeah, he was solid again. Yeah, he's this year's. You know what? We need to make a running list. Each year there is a guy that does what Henry Miller does. We need to make a list, the definitive list of who is that guy each year. Cole Thompson was. Memorial. Yep. Cole Thompson was. Gavin Grasick was. uh, uh, Jesse Wentland was. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, the private four fifty guy who's like, whoa, whoa. Yep. Um, hey, can I throw in one more thing on this points chase up front? Oh boy, here we go. The yep. story is going to be uh, Marvin Man that knee injury, but do not forget, dude, he crashed out at Southwick after the injury while running second. And his he bike not. and his bike broke at, at uh, Muddy Creek. His bike broke at Muddy Creek. Yep. His bike broke at Muddy Creek when he was running probably like six, which is you know fifteen or so points. Mm-hmm. Dude, if he just finishes second in that second moto at Southwick and doesn't crash out, uh, and, that's 22 points he lost right there. Yep. And he did pull in, like, he was, I think he, I don't think his, I think his bike could have kept going. It was bent up, but it looked like yeah. the bike could have kept going. It looked like he just rattled himself with that crash, looking at him sitting yeah. there. It, so, like, he could have kept going in some position after he got up. You know, ifs and buts and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was yeah. bike broke at Glen Helen and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Well, no, but, but the point I'm making here, yes, I, I'm not saying he's been unlucky. What I'm saying is I'm sure in those two motos, when the brakes were broken at Muddy Creek or when he crashed at Southwick, it was like, you know what, what's the point in going back out? The points aren't really going to matter. Every point isn't going to count. What difference does it really make? Yeah. And that's the point I'm making. Like, now all of a sudden it's looking big. I'm not trying to claim that. He's been unlucky. Like you have to not crash. Yeah, brake problems are part of the deal. Eli had the same thing, but man, he's going to start looking back and be like, even with the knee injury, if I just didn't crash at Southwick, I should have stayed out there, or I should have backed it down. I mean, that crash at Southwick—that's, dude, he'd be down like ten points right now. McGrath's biggest regret in his career was pulling off at Washougal in '96. He told me, "Yep, he had a big yep. points lead and his foot was sore, and he's yep. like, ah, screw it." Tried to step onto that tabletop. Um. Yeah, Millville, and then yep. uh, and then he just said, "Ah, my everything's sore. Forget it. Screw it. You know, no big deal. I got a big point. So I'll be back next week." Well, if he had just finished, he was in seventh or eighth or something when he pulled off, and that would be all he needed. So you never know, right? But yeah, it's that same lesson, man. Every point always counts, always. And I'm sure Marvin's knee hurt at Muddy Creek. It was like, what's the difference? I was going to get tenth anyway. Yeah, yeah. And Eli's rolling, and Baggett's rolling. Like, there's no chance I'm going to get in this. But here we are. Looking at the starts, or the the stats, the season stats, no whole shots for Eli this year. Outdoor series, not a one, not, not a good. one. So, definitely, yeah. Um, and so Marty Davalos. Uh, so we got third in Washougal. Marty got second at Unadilla. Only one spot left to go, guys. It's coming. Yep. Can't stop him. Yep. Can't stop, won't stop. All right, uh, fantastic, yeah. guys. Uh, thank you for doing the, the recap podcast. I think we we did pretty well. We didn't devote too much time to Marty. Um, but next week, Safe maybe. zone. Yeah, safe zone. Uh, thanks to Grant Langston for giving us the inside info to all, uh, all TV show long about Kawasaki. Thanks for that. And um, <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't make him clean the sink, by the way. Hotel Cowie. I'm really surprised they didn't make him clean the sink out. They did it. They cleaned it themselves. So. Did he? Are you implying that he used it? He, he used the sink. Yes, he oh, did. Okay. Yeah, they found something. I, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, okay. no, he did. He used the sink, and they were like, "Oh, thanks. I guess we'll clean it. Thanks." Oh. So, 
Um, I have to say that actually, even with the huge delay we had in anything, I feel like he was in some of the best shape he's been in uh, ever. Like, I was a little alarmed. I mean, you give Langston a two-and-a-half-hour break in the middle of the day, I was a little worried, but right, right, maybe right. he needs to every weekend because he was great. Yeah, that's a good point. It's one man you do not want some idle time on his hands. <laughs> yeah, just go and hang out and come back in two hours. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, fly Racing, flyracing.com, Alpine Star Protects. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Jason Wygant, Jason uh, Thomas. Uh, thanks, everybody, and uh, thanks, boys. See yeah. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take your money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. You know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey.